Should the Jets trade Quinnen Williams? Who's going to start at linebacker in 2022? Should the Jets focus on the defense in free agency? All of this and more on today's mailbag edition of the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Wednesday, February 16th, 2022. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. This podcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Our motto is your team every day. No matter what your favorite team is and no matter what sport it's in, we have a Locked On Podcast for you that produces new episodes each day, Monday through Friday. Our podcast is available and free on all platforms. That includes YouTube. So if you like what you see or hear, click the subscribe button. You'll never miss an episode. If you're on YouTube and you like this episode, give it a thumbs up. It'll help other Jets fans find the channel and get to enjoy Locked On Jets. Today we have our weekly mailbag show. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions. We try to do the mailbag each Wednesday. Let's begin with a question about Quinn and Williams. John, thank you for clarifying the new rule regarding picking up Quinn and Williams' fifth-year option, which you detailed on a recent episode. Under the old terms, I would not have paid what it would cost to pick up the fifth-year option, but under the new terms, since he has not lived up anything close to the level of the number three pick in the draft, he's estimated at $10.5 million based on his production or lack of it. With the team in rebuild and in need of top-end talent, I would think we could get at least a Leonard Williams-type deal, and potentially now better since Quinn would cost less under the fifth-year option. As per over the cap, the top 15 interior defensive line contract is $12 million and more a year, with $10.5 million starting at number 16 down. Quinn Williams is not performing at that level. The defensive line got embarrassed last year, and if we're already paying John Franklin Myers, who will most likely play interior defensive line, $12 million, why would we put more money into Quinn and Williams? Would it not be wiser to trade him and continue the rebuild with not only more draft capital, but also cap dollars? Carl Lawson is an excellent player at a premium pass rush position. He gets $15 million a year. Hopefully he returns in good health. What would you accept as a trade for Quinn and Williams? So the question comes down to, should the Jets trade Quinn and Williams? He's going to probably get $10.5 million in 2023 as part of the fifth-year option, should the Jets look to deal him? Because he hasn't lived up to the hype, and Jets have a lot of money invested in the defensive line. I think that's what that question comes down to. And I have to be honest with you, I probably would not look be looking to trade Quinn and Williams right now. Now, yes, the Jets traded Leonard Williams a couple years ago, who was their first-round pick back in 2015, another Williams who played in, on the interior defensive line, another Williams who came in with a lot of hype and did not quite live up to it. But that was a different situation because Leonard Williams was at the end of his contract. The Jets were not going to be able to pay him what they what he wanted. He was going to, just going to be too expensive. So they got what they could for him because if he left at the end of 2019, based on the way things were going for the Jets, they probably were not going to get a compensatory pick because they were going to spend more than they lost in free agency. So they wanted to get something in return for Leonard Williams. I think Quinnen Williams is a bit of a different case because you got him cost-controlled for two more years. And ultimately, like, if you get a draft pick for Quinton Williams, even if it's a first-round pick, even if it's a high first-round pick, I think the odds are against that player being as good as Quinton Williams. I mean, I know that we're disappointed in Quinton Williams, but I think perhaps we're being a little unfair to him. Because if you look at the history, especially the recent history of third overall picks, 
there are lots of players who are much worse than Quinn and Williams. I think we all have this perception that the number three pick should be like a slam dunk all pro type player. It's just not the case. Now, you've got a better chance of getting an all pro at pick number three than you do at, say, 27. But it's not even close to being a slam dunk. There are lots of complete busts at that third overall selection. And Quinton Williams, maybe he hasn't been as good as we've been hoping he'd be. It's not like this is Quinton Copels. It's not like this is Darren Lee. It's not like this is Calvin Pryor. Quinton Williams is a good player. He's not a great player. But, you know, I think if you, again, you look at the recent history of third overall picks, Quinton Williams is about middle of the pack, if not a little bit better. And maybe the issue with Quinton Williams, as much as anything, is our expectations. And listen, if you want to point the finger at me and say, you know, you've been critical of Quinton Williams, I think that's totally fair. I think maybe I've put expectations too high on Quinton Williams. But I look at the situation, you know, you've got him cost control for two more years. I mean, maybe next year if his contract demands get out of control, that's fine. But if you're the Jets... At some point, don't you have to try and keep good players? It seems like when the few instances in recent years where the Jets have had a really good player, they don't keep them. And that's not all the Jets' fault. I mean, sometimes the player just has demands that don't make sense. But at some point, we just got to start keeping good players. We just got to get, you know, if you get a good guy here, you got to try and figure out a way to keep him. And Quinton Williams is a good player. He's not a great player, but he's a good player. So, I just don't know. I mean, even if I get a first-round pick, the guy I draft's probably not going to be as good as him. So, a little Quinn and Williams appreciation today. I think I'm keeping him. I don't think I'm trading him, unless I get just like a Jamal Adams kind of offer, which I don't think anybody's going to do. At some point, we just got to start building around some of our players, and hopefully Quinnen has reasonable contract demands. That's, that's the question. Is he going to demand the Aaron Donald-type deal? Is he going to demand the Leonard Williams-type deal? Because... If you're asking me, do I want Leonard Williams on my team? The answer is absolutely. I just don't want him at the price the Giants have paid. The Giants have paid an exorbitant amount to have Leonard, Leonard Williams on their team. So I, part of it will come down to Quinnen's contract demands, but I actually think we've gotten to the point where maybe Quinnen's a little, little underappreciated. He's a good player, and Salah wants to build this team around the defensive line. I think on the defensive side of the ball, this is a system that's clearly built around defensive line play. So... I'm for keeping Quinn, and I'm not looking to trade him. Even a number one I don't think is enough for me. We'll reassess in a year. If Quinn's contract demands get out of control, then maybe we can start talking about trading him, but I'd like him to be part of the solution. I mean, the Jets don't have enough good players, and even if Quinn and Williams isn't everything we've hoped for, he is a good player, so I'm for keeping Quinn. I'm not trading him. Our next question, Joe Douglas is an offensive line guy, Salah is a defensive line guy, so picks... Four and ten will be one of each. Prove me wrong. Well, I can't really prove anybody wrong until we get to the NFL draft. I think that there's a scenario where they don't do that. You could argue that's even a likely scenario. I don't think it's a slam dunk at all. I agree with you. Joe Douglas is an offensive line guy. He's picked offensive line in his first two drafts in the first round. He's really kind of rebuilt the unit. I mean, for as much as you can criticize Joe Douglas for, and there are certainly things that Joe Douglas can be criticized for, I think one thing he has done is he's improved the offensive line quite a bit. What he inherited in 2019 was brutal. It was a terrible offensive line, and he's turned it into a strength. It's not, maybe, we're not quite at the point where it's one of the best in the league, but I think it's an above-average offensive line. And I just talked about how Salah is focused on the defensive line, so I think it's a distinct possibility the Jets go offensive line on one of the picks, defensive line on another of the picks. Depends on how the board matches up, though. I mean, there are certainly scenarios where they don't do that. There are scenarios where 
there's just nobody worth picking on the offensive line or the defensive line at 4-10. And, and there's another scenario I'd keep in mind. And I talked about this on a recent show. It depends on what the Jets' focus is this year. If they're focused on more immediate results, then maybe they'll go with a balanced approach this offseason. But if their focus is long-term, and they're just all about building around Zach Wilson, they're all about making Zach Wilson into a franchise quarterback, they might just focus more on the offense. They might go offensive line at 4, receiver at 10. And they just want to build as, as strong of a team as possible around Zach. So I think that that's a plausible scenario. At the end of the day, it's not going to be me who proves the Jets right or wrong, though. It'll be Joe Douglas. So I, I can't rule it out, but I think that there are certainly scenarios where the Jets don't draft offensive line, defensive line with their first two picks. We'll just have to wait and see. I don't think you can ever go into the draft knowing for sure with 100% certainty what a team's going to pick. So we'll see what happens. I, I'm not entirely certain yet. Now, ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we'll continue our weekly mailbag. We'll talk about the linebacker position on this Wednesday episode. You know, I'm not really one to place bets on what positions the Jets will draft at 4-10 in the 2022 NFL Draft. And the football season is now over. But basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. And from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thanks again for making Locked On Jets your first listen or your first watch each day. This podcast is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. If you like what you see, give this episode a thumbs up. It will help other Jets fans find the channel. We continue with our weekly mailbag. Our next question, who do you think will be the starting linebackers on opening day next year? The up the middle run defense was terrible, so do, do they need a thumper coming downhill? I would love it if Jordan Davis fell to them early in the second round, but that seems doubtful. The Jets have a long history of run-stuffing nose tackles like Chris Jenkins, Sione Puuha, and Damon Harrison, but it seems like that's not the, the scheme Salah runs. So a couple of things here. I tend to agree. I don't think Jordan Davis is going to be a player of the Jets draft. I don't think the Jets really want just like a pure run stopper at the defensive tackle position. I think Jordan Davis is going to be a really good player in the NFL out of Georgia. He's kind of like one of those two-down, run-stopping linemen who's going to clog the lanes. I don't think he's a Jets type of lineman, though. I think he's going to be a very good player. I'm just not sure he fits the scheme the Jets want to run. Who are the starting linebackers going to be? Well, I mean, I think in the Jets scheme, they're really two starting linebackers because most of the time you're playing against three receiver sets. So, you know, people will call the Jets defense a 4-3 defense, but really it's a 4-2-5 because most of the time, the opposing team is going to have three receivers in the game, which means you're going to have five defensive backs. You'll take a linebacker off the field. I get, would have to guess it's going to be C.J. Mosley and Quincy Williams. Uh, there's a lot of buzz from the beat writers that they just really like this duo. Mosley, of course, is voted team MVP. Quincy Williams, a very solid pickup from Jacksonville off the waiver wire. Did a pretty decent job for the Jets. I've heard it from multiple beat writers. If you read what they have to say, the Jets love these linebackers. They apparently think Quincy Williams has Pro Bowl potential. Mosley, again, voted team MVP. I don't love them as much as the Jets beat writers, as much as the Jets apparently do based on what the beat writers have to say. I think that they were a weakness this year. I don't think they were maybe awful, but I don't think they were a strength. Mosley and 
Williams frequently were in the wrong spots. I mean, I think Quincy Williams might be a little overrated because he's just a guy who runs really fast and hits really hard, and you kind of miss the when he misses a play, it's more subtle where he's filling the wrong gaps. Mosley, I don't just don't think is the guy he was in Baltimore. Not a terrible linebacker, but nowhere close to worthy of the money he's making right now with the Jets. I could live with these guys at linebacker. See, I'd feel more comfortable if it wasn't that the Jets thought these guys were a strength. I'd feel more comfortable if, like, what I was hearing from the beat writers was that the Jets feel like they can live with these guys. There are bigger priorities out there. They think these guys will function better if the off- the defensive line plays better, if the secondary is stronger. I would be happier to hear that. It sounds like the Jets really love these linebackers, though. And I, I, mean, I don't think they're awful, but... I don't think that they're a strength. I think that there are some questions here. Now, there's a question. I mean, Quincy Williams can improve. He's young enough, and clearly he's better than he was in Jacksonville. Clearly, I think he fits what the Jets want to do better than what the Jaguars were doing. So uh, maybe there's some untapped potential there, but I I don't know. I don't love these linebackers. I think they're going to stick with what they got, and I'm not sure that that's necessarily the right move. Our next question Lately, we've heard two separate rumors. One is that Salah believes in the line, in the linebacker duo of Mosley and Quincy Williams, and the second is that Salah believes in the corner duo of Hall and Eccles. However, during the season, both Salah and Ulbricht said the problem wasn't the scheme, they just need better players. Is it really possible that they have enough confidence in these linebackers and corners to run it back with the same guys, or do you think these rumors are just a smokescreen? Well, it's always possible the rumors are a smokescreen, but you know, I just talked about the linebackers, and I think that they like the linebackers. Do they like the corners? I'd kind of be inclined to think that they do. You know, I don't think the idea that they need better players and the idea that they're confident in what they have are necessarily mutually exclusive propositions. Let me explain. Jets went very young last year. They could have signed a stopgap at the corner position. They decided not to. And I think the theory behind the corner position, and I think the theory behind a lot of what the Jets did last year was they just decided they were going to go with young guys who they thought had talent. And they were going to live with mistakes. They were going to live with a lot of losing. And they think that losing last year, all the mistakes that they made will pay dividends going forward. That experience is going to help these guys grow. So I could buy it that they like these guys. And I think that their view might be that these guys are going to become better players. That even if you have the same guys, that they're going to be different guys year two. Now, is that what I would do? I like Bryce Hall. I think Bryce Hall's a part of the solution. I think you can live with the linebackers if everything else is improved around them i don't think it's a great linebacker duo but i think it's not so bad that you're at the bottom of the league i don't think it's so bad that they'll destroy the defense if everything else is around them working Eccles, i'm not convinced as a starter i think Eccles might be a backup i think Eccles, you could argue is a pretty big success for a late round pick i'm not convinced though he's a starting he's a starting level player another thing that factors into this though and it's a kind of a philosophical thing I kind of feel like Salah wants to develop corners. He's very confident in his ability to develop corners because you know it comes from that Seattle school where they got a bunch of late-round picks and they got Brandon Browner from the CFL and they kind of made it work. They built it into the best secondary in the league. And then in San Francisco, again, they weren't dedicating huge resources at the corner position, even though they had Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman was kind of coming off an injury. He wasn't seeking top dollar he negotiated that deal with the 49ers without an agent probably left some money on the table so even though they got Richard Sherman it wasn't like he was like the premium premium free agent that his name recognition would indicate so 
I feel like they're not dedicating big resources at corner because they believe in their ability to coach guys up at that position. So I actually, it, listen, it could always be a smokescreen. Always possible. But I kind of think they like what they have. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I kind of hope I'm wrong because I'm not entirely confident. I'm not as confident as they are. But that's kind of how I see things right now. Our next question. Would you rather pay for Jets season tickets or pay to see the Jets in the Super Bowl? Well, if I'm paying to see the Jets in the Super Bowl, that means the Jets are in the Super Bowl. So I guess I'd have to go with that, even though it would cost me way more money. I guess I'd have to take one for the team, wouldn't I? Maybe that's how that works. But listen, if I get to see the Jets in the Super Bowl, I'll be happy to watch it on TV. I don't need to be at the game. Let's just get the Jets to the Super Bowl. That'd be pretty good. Now ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast, we'll finish up our weekly mailbag. I'll talk about the philosophy of the Jets scouting department. But I got to tell you something. No matter what your protein bar philosophy is, no matter what flavors you like, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. These are protein bars that taste like chocolate bars. You should know that Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy, cinnamony, churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. It's so good. They're going to be your new favorite. And all bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, Puffs included. 100% real chocolate. Most bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Just compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. These are all great flavors. And new for this month is white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. So check out Built.com to see what's available and what you like. You won't regret it. Again, it's Built.com to get Built Bars, the best-tasting protein bar on the market. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Wednesday mailbag show. Our next question. Connor Hughes wrote an interesting piece for The Athletic this week where the Jets' position coaches are heavily involved in the draft process requesting players with very specific traits for their team. Did you hear about this article, and what do you think about this draft strategy versus maybe being more scheme-adaptive and selecting the best player on the board? I, I, didn't, I did not read the article, but I'm very familiar with the way Joe Douglas does things. That aligns with what I know about Joe Douglas, because that's kind of the way the Baltimore Ravens did things under Ozzie Newsom. There are very specific traits that they want at each role, and, you know, they... They figure it out. They even go through special teams. What do we want in a gunner? What do we want for a guy in this role? They are very. They get very, very detailed when they talk about which roles they're looking for and what traits they want in a player. And listen, I think it's always a bit of a balance. I think that you make exceptions for incredible talents. I think, for example, if there's like a guy who's a transcendent pass rusher on the board and he's better in like a, as a stand-up rush linebacker and you play more of a four-man defensive line where you ask your edge guys to have their hands on the gr- ground... I think you have to be adaptive there. I, I don't think you, you try and force great players to do things they're not comfortable with. You figure out what makes a guy great, and you just ask him to do that. So I think there has to be some degree of balance, but I probably would lean more towards the way the Jets do it, where they're looking for specific traits at a given position, because all the pieces have to fit. And I think you have to have, have an idea for what you want from each player. You know, Part of the reason that the Jets do things this way there's an old saying, you know, Ozzie Newsom said it, is that there might be guys who are good, who are exceptions to what we're looking for, but we're not trying to draft a team of exceptions. I heard, I can't remember who said it, it was on a podcast I listened to a few years ago, but it was it was like a perfect statement, where he talked about, 
you know, there are some 240-pound edge rushers who are decent players. And maybe you could draft one of them and they'd be good. But if you have a line, the defensive line made up of 240-pound guys, you're going to get killed. So maybe you can make an exception here or there, but you want to generally stick with the traits that you know work in your system. In football, in the, especially the NFL, it's become such a game, it's such a league where systems matter, and you see it all the time. You see it in free agency, you see it after trades. A guy who's really good with one team goes to another team and doesn't produce the same. And a big part of that is that they're asked to do something completely different because they're in a different system. The entire context of what made them good no longer exists. And the reverse is true, too. There are guys who are really not productive at all with one team, go to another team and play really well because they're just a better fit what they're being asked to do. Most players have very limited skill sets. I think as much as anything, though, you got to have a good idea for what you want to do with a player you draft. I think back to 2015 when the Jets drafted Leonard Williams. And I thought, oh, well, they must have a good plan for putting Leonard Williams and Sheldon Richardson and Muhammad Wilkerson all on the field at the same time. And it would not have been that hard. You play a three-man defensive line, you stick one at one technique, one at the three technique, one at the five technique, and just let them get upfield. But the Jets never did that. Jets had no plan for it. You know, that was one of Mike McCagnin's things. Mike McCagnin said, well, I just try and get talented guys and we figure it out. Well, they did not figure that one out. They did not really have a plan for that. It came back to hurt them. And, you know, you saw Sheldon Richardson play outside linebacker, which never made a lot of sense. Now, that was probably overstated. He did not. He was not playing a ton of outside linebacker, but it was kind of a symbol for how the Jets did not really think through the Leonard Williams pick, the fact that they were putting this guy who was an interior lineman at outside linebacker because they had so much talent on the interior line. So you got to have a plan. And, again, the pieces have to fit. You know, you could say that this guy's a great corner prospect. He's really talented. But if you have a team full of zone corners and he's a man-to-man corner, well, you're not really, he's, not, he's probably not the best player for you if you're just going to run zone because you're not putting him in a position. So who the best player is could very well depend on your scheme. It's not just a pure, it's, I, sometimes it's not an absolute that somebody's the best player. The best player for you might be different than the most talented player overall. So these are all considerations. I think you make exceptions, but I would lean more towards the way the Jets are doing things. And our last question, John, there was an interesting graphic during the Super Bowl that showed seven of the Bengals starters on defense were free agents from the last two years. The key offensive players were from the draft. Do you think the Jets could or should follow this strategy? There's the usual caveats of not passing on a Devontae Adams in free agency, but what do you think? I actually think the way things line up this year, I might go with the opposite approach from a couple standpoints. First of all, if you look at where the Jets are picking 4-10 and 10 in the first round, it seems like there's more defensive talent available at those picks. So that's number one. Number two, and this is something I remember Boomer Esiason said during the season, he remembered this time during his career with the Jets when Wayne Corbett was a rookie, and he was in the huddle, and he reminded Corbett, hey, if the Patriots blitz from the slot, you got to run the, your route here. You got This is how you got to change your route. And Corbett did it, and they hit a touchdown. And he, the point Boomer made was that, you know, Zach Wilson's young. He's inexperienced. He's just trying to figure things out. He can't remind his receivers the way Boomer was able to do when he was a veteran quarterback. So that probably means you need more veteran players on offense, guys who don't need to be reminded, guys who just know what to do in the event that there was a blitz, guys who know how to adjust their routes, who don't need to be, who don't need to be told this stuff. So I feel like there's an argument to be made to take the opposite approach, but it depends. I mean, listen, I can't object if the Jets get a veteran defensive player who's really a high-end guy. I mean, I've been a big fan of Marcus Williams, the Saints safety and free agency. I think he'd be a really good fit. 
On the, and on the same note, if the Jets draft a wide receiver to grow with Zach, there's plenty of logic behind that. So, you know, it depends on the guys who are available. But generally speaking, and listen, I think it's always dangerous when you look at a Super Bowl team and think that that's the only way things can be built. There are lots of different ways to build a good team. But the way things have lined up this year, my guess would be you might go in the opposite direction of what the Bengals did. You might focus more on the offensive side of the ball in free agency and get veteran players in here and then lean into the strength of the draft, which seems to be the defense. That's all for our episode today. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Our motto is your team every day. We have new episodes each day, Monday through Friday, not only for Jets fans, but for fans of every team. You can find your Locked On podcast where podcasts are found. This show is available and free on all platforms. If you like what you see or hear, click the subscribe button. And if you're on YouTube, please give this episode a thumbs up. It really helps out the channel, helps other Jets fans find the show. Hope you have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.